Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This evening I'm going to be treating this sermon text in a little different way. Each portion of it is going to be directed to one of our confirmands by name, and I'm going to speak to you not only about how this text applies to you, but I'm also going to share with you your confirmation verse and why it seems to be very appropriate for you in the context of this sermon. A student is not above his teacher. Emily, chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. A student is not above his teacher, Jesus said, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, that was a derogatory term, which meant that one was the prince of demons, how much more the members of his own household. Emily, I suspect that you are going to be maybe greater than your parents as your life goes on. You're already taller than most of us. You certainly probably have a lot more skill on that violin and maybe even in bowling than your parents. You will no doubt get very good grades and someday you'll probably even have a nice income that will maybe even surpass that as your parents. But one thing that you will never have more of or that you will become greater than your parents are and is the things that you have received from God. The things that in fact they brought you and gave you from God. You will have the word of God and you will have a faith. And you have been given the gift in your baptism of becoming a child of God. And you have the right to be able to reach out and receive from him the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive eternal life in the exact same way as your parents. They have made an enormous sacrifice to bring you into this world. And you will never ever be greater or above your parents in the kingdom of God. It is enough for you to be the same. But our Lord Jesus Christ explains greatness in a little different way. His greatness was made known to the world in the way in which he willed our salvation and his work of gaining that salvation came through his suffering and his death. Natural man, that is, people who they are by themselves, don't want to hear about God's one-sided grace. Human beings always want to be greater than somebody else, and it also means that they want to be greater than God. But nobody could be greater than Jesus. His greatness was made known in love and sacrifice and giving his own life for you and me, and for all of us. And that love can never be surpassed. It is enough if you could simply share in the things that happened to him and in the greatness that he himself had. It is enough to be like our Lord.
That's why it is that the Bible verse that I have chosen for you is taken from Mark chapter 8. It is your confirmation verse. And it reads, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. William Alexander Cummings, otherwise known as Alex. This text says, do not be afraid of them. Taken from the 10th chapter, the 26th verse, we read, so do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Alex, it is hard to imagine you being afraid of anything. But fear comes in many packages. What will people think of you is usually the way that it's wrapped up. What's the coach going to think of you if you don't do what he tells you to do? What are your buddies going to think of you if you don't act in a certain way? What are all those cute girls going to think of you when they find out that you're a Christian? But what you are believing, what you are confessing, is a twofold thing. One is that you are going to believe and confess that no human being can be justified in God's sight by their own works and deeds. That means everybody is sinful. But secondly, you are going to confess that your righteousness, your holiness, is a gift of Christ. And that through faith in him, God reckons your faith to be the perfection in his sight. When you believe this, you become the devil's greatest enemy. The devil's greatest power is usually exercised against those who believe and teach both the condemnation of the law and the righteousness and the forgiveness of the gospel. The one thing, however, that you probably have already learned, and if you haven't, learn it from me, is that when you play football, you won't get hurt as long as you hit harder than your opponent. You have a gift and a promise of being justified by grace. You use that and you hit harder and you confess more boldly. And God, who knows all your needs, will never ever forget or abandon you. That's why the text that I have chosen for you is taken from chapter, Romans chapter 5, and it reads in this way. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. 
Our third part, acknowledge him before men. Oh, Olivia. Chapter 10, verse 32 and 33 reads like this, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Olivia, the word here to acknowledge really means to confess. Yeah, to identify with, to claim as one's own. Olivia, the athlete, is going to wear many jerseys in her lifetime. But each of them is going to be a confession. The team name that is on that jersey, colors, maybe the sponsor, Bill's Bar and Grill, there on that jersey. Maybe the school that you'll someday attend will be there on that jersey. Scouts are going to come and they're going to look at you and they're going to watch you and then they're going to go back and confess you before their program directors or whatever it might be with the goal that you will then turn around and confess them. Therefore, to confess is more than just to speak words. It is to play. It is to fight. It is to represent. It is to defend. You have a great calling, far greater than any of those athletic confessions. It is to confess Jesus Christ for your whole life, to live by faith and to live for the faith of this gospel. Remember that phrase, gospel, that wonderful message that tells us that Christ has won the victory for us. Philippe Day is the first marathon he runs into. Athens, Nicone, we have conquered. They were delivered from these Persians. And the good news, the Greeks called the Oiangelon, the gospel. It is your job for the rest of your life to confess the gospel which brings peace. Peace with men and peace with God. That's why I have chosen for you this text taken from Romans chapter 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is from faith, is by faith from first to last. Just it is, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Part four, there will never be peace, Dane. A text taken from the 10th chapter, again, the 34th verse. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Dane, you have already learned some of the most important lessons of life. The one I'm in particularly speaking about here is this, that good things don't come easy. When you go out there and you're hunting, 
and it's cold and it's wet and it's dreary and you're walking all over hills looking for animals, hauling back carcasses, waiting in places where they never seem to come. When you get out on that wrestling mat, and you have to exercise, and you have to sacrifice, and you have to sweat, and you have to come up with strategies, and you gotta use your smarts, and you gotta be able to understand pain and suffering as a way of being able to gain something. Yeah, you have a job. It is your job to be a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus not only risen from the dead, but this text tells us that we are to witness to Jesus by speaking repentance and forgiveness of sins. The irony here is this, that when you proclaim peace, that Christ has died for the sins of all mankind, that in Christ we have a gift of everlasting life, that it's all grace, that when you say peace, the world is going to make for war. You will only get violence in exchange for what it is that you are going to share with them. And you're only going to have one weapon. And it's not going to be a gun. It's not going to be muscles. It's not going to be might. It's not going to be something that comes by grim determination. All you have is a sword. It's called the sword of the word of God, where you testify to the resurrection, to the need for men to repent and to believe in the free, unmerited grace and forgiveness of their sins. That's why I have chosen for you this text taken from Luke 24. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. To our fifth person, love your Lord above all things. Brett, taken from the 10th chapter, the 37th verse, we read, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. For some reason, Brett, when you combine these two words, love and crosses, I couldn't help but think of you. They seem to go together. And why did this make me think of old Brett when I read this? Well, old Brett is surrounded by a loving family, mother and father, two sisters above and one sister below. And then when I thought of crosses, I thought of two sisters above and one sister below. I can say that in my own situation because I had three above me and one below me. But seriously, it is hard to imagine that all that powerful love of family, if the family were ever to forsake the gospel, that a normal human being 
would be able to resist, to turn against, to even regard their own loving family as their enemies. They could only do it if they loved Christ vastly more than even the people who loved them. What would it take to stand up, to resist, and to remain vigilant in your faith if your family became your enemy? It's only a love of Christ and a love that understood, became a love because you understood his all-surpassing love for you. God loves you, Brett. He loves you more than anyone else in the whole world. When you break his commandments, he still loves you. When you cannot be perfect, he still loves you. If you cannot sing like those two angels that just sang for us, he loves you the same. If you fail, he will still love you. And when you succeed, and you will, he will also love you and rejoice with you. That's why it is that I've chosen for you a text taken from Ephesians, the third chapter, and it reads in this way, Brett. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Well, number six, and certainly last but not least, Nolan. The text says, let go of your life and you will save it. Mysterious words. We read in chapter 10, verse 39, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, you may find this hard to believe, but everyone in life has what we might call a cross, Nolan. A cross is something that, well, that brings maybe suffering, that brings sorrow, that brings sadness, maybe frustration. This is not to say that you're not going to be able to have a lot of joy and happiness in your life, but everybody has that thorn in the flesh, that little something that challenges us and says we don't have it all. Not maybe having the abilities like other people might have or the talents or the, the gifts or the social skills or the looks or the wealth or the family. All of these little thorns in the flesh, these little crosses in our lives are there to teach us humility but also to remind each and every one of us that each of us has gifts, and like the Apostle Paul says, that we are like different parts of the body with different functions, and when all the parts of the body work together, serve one another, that then we discover something that is indeed truly Christian. But two crosses, there are two crosses that every single Christian is going to have to bear. There is that cross, as we speak about with the law, of the lack of our righteousness and our holiness and our perfection. All your life, you're going to be looking into the mirror and you're going to be saying, 
there is an imperfect person, not just in my sight, not just in my neighbor's sight or my family's sight, that's in God's sight too. But the other cross is going to be this, that you are going to claim for yourself a perfection and a holiness from Christ. And when other people don't recognize that and don't see that, and you do, that becomes that cross in life. When you see yourself through the eyes of Christ and you know you are perfect in God's eyes and you know that you are a blessed child of God and if the world doesn't understand it, that may be your cross, but it's a cross that will always drive you back to an understanding of God's love for you. When that cross, first cross comes, the idea is, is that we want to grab onto. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, whoever takes hold, grabs onto his life, is going to lose it. When we try to make ourselves perfect, when we try to be the perfect person that we think we need to be, when we do that and we think what we have to earn our way even into heaven, we'll always lose our life. But when, indeed, we let it go, that is to say, when we say, now Christ is our righteousness, Christ is our holiness, Christ is our perfection, and let it go and say, I trust now that Christ is going to do all good things for me. We come to realize that actually when we let it go, that we save it and we get it back. I'm going to make a prediction like a prophet. I'm going to say that someday a very wise and wonderful woman is going to look at you with wise eyes and she will not see Nolan the great athlete or Nolan the great scholar or the most wealthy man in the whole world but she will see a Nolan who claims his perfection and holiness in the cross of Christ who lets go of his own personal righteousness and clings on and holds on to Christ's righteousness and she will love you for all the right reasons. That's why I've chosen this text for you taken from Titus and it reads in this way. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things which we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. May the Lord bless all our confirmands and their families mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and friends and grandparents that are here with us today. May we all be blessed by the spiritual and wonderful gifts that God has given to each of you. Amen.